I don't like that we're doing this without having covered a Star Wars already. I know. I know how you feel. But you know what, Ross? They've seen it. They've seen it for sure. Listen, how many people do you think actually listen to this podcast? I don't know. Maybe 50 to 80. I'm not really sure. <sighs> Guys, we love you. We, we <laughs> want you to know that. We're on year, what, four? Yeah, yeah. And we would like to have been slight, no pun intended, light years ahead <laughs> of where we are now. But you know what? We are having fun. Yeah. We are having fun just doing it. Yeah. Share it, goddammit. <laughs> quality content and i'm not saying that to be egotistical i'm saying that because it is <laughs> all right oh my god let's get started we should be internet famous like i know it's my fault that we're not it's just mm, a little bit a little bit a little bit Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we're surrounded by assholes. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are covering the 1987 space opera parody? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Spaceballs! Oh, guys. Welcome back to Fool Ass Films coverages. We're doing genre parodies this month, yes. and we, let's see... To begin with, we did the horror genre parody with mm-hmm. Cabin in the Woods, and then week two, we did the the biopic. It hasn't been released yet, guys. We're quite a bit ahead, and I can't wait for the episode, but <laughs> it will be a, it will have been last week's episode, but we haven't heard it yet, yeah. so <laughs> we, did the, we did the biopic genre parody with Walk Hard, yep. the Dewey Cox story, yep. and now we're sailing on around to science fiction genre parody or whatever. Yeah, the way you made me call it a space opera. And I mean, it's Mel Brooks, so... Oh my god, the parody king! This is like the stupidest Mel Brooks, though, I feel like. Like, you think this is like the one that, like, I don't know, is not as artful as others? I shouldn't tell you this, but I've still never seen Blazing Saddles. Uh, it's a lot! Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot! I've seen Men in Tights, I've seen Young Frankenstein, I've seen History of the World Part 1, but like... Oh man. I, and I've seen Spaceballs, but I've not seen it in a long time, and holy shit. <laughs> Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's, rate, review, and retweet. For the love of God, rate, review, retweet. <laughs> we want everyone to come and join this little watch party, listen party, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. And uh, don't forget to go check out the Patreon. Guys, there has never been a better time to give us your money. For just $5 a month, you too can be a little onion contributor at the $5 level. We got all of our bonus content over there, guys. All of our long-form coverage. All of our television coverage. Maybe a little shooting shit. Maybe a little criticisms, you know? Like, maybe some whack trivia games stacked against me. Like, uh-huh. I'm doing the next one. Yeah, I know. I'm doing the next one. We know. And also some lovely outtakes from all the lovely shit we do down here with Murrow. And I really, really like the last outtakes episode is, we did. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> It's going to be good. It's uh, us, be... us inventing a soda that's manufactured in the South called a DeSoda. A DeSoda, yeah. yeah. DeSoda. What is that from? What were we covering? Uh, Steel Magnolia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shell- yeah. Dupuis DeSoto. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you ready to master the Schwartz? Mm. <laughs> Mel. <laughs> 
Mel, you're so brilliant. Yeah. From musicals to films. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what the fuck is it's? But you know, Carrie, the best things about this are the Moranis and the Pullman. Oh, absolutely. Because we've got a lot of favorites here this week. Space Bones, the movie. Princess Vespa spaceship within range, sir. Good. What's going on? It's either the 4th of July, or someone's trying to kill us. Now we will show her who is in charge of this galaxy. If you do not give me the combination to the air shield, Dr. Slotkin will give your daughter back her old nose. No! Only one man and his trusted companion can save planet Druidia from disaster. Okay, Eagle Five, coming in. Lone Star. First, they must learn the secrets of yogurt. Yogurt? I am the keeper of a greater magic. The Force? No, the Schwartz. Avoid capture on a distant planet. Tell them to comb the desert, you hear me? Comb the desert! Found anything yet? We ain't found... Battle the entire Spaceball army. He shot my hair! Holy! And escape the clutches of Dark Helmet. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Abandon ship, proceed to escape pods! What the hell's the matter with this seat, fella? When does this happen in the movie? Space Balls, the movie. How do I know you're not making faces at me under that thing? And may the Schwartz be with you! Guys, obviously, Mel Brooks, he's been with us on the show before when we did The Producers. Yeah. He not only wrote the film, the original film from the 1970s, I think it's 1978. Yeah. Or something like that, but... No, it's like from the 60s, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's I, like from 1969 or something. Somewhere in Zero there. Mostel. Yeah. And Gene Wilder. Mm. But then in 2000, 2001, it went on to become the Broadway success in its stage adaptation, the musical form, which Mel Brooks did not really write the score, but... He hummed tunes into a recorder and then someone who with actual musical literacy, like, put it together. They should have won the Tony then. Uh, yeah, I know. Just because he's credited as... I cannot... <laughs> Music and lyrics by Mel Brooks. No, they're not. <laughs> And he, and he won the Tony for Best Original Score, even though he just hummed it out. Anyway, Mel, <laughs> we love you. He's 96 years young. Yeah, he's still with us. He's still with us. He was uh, like, I, he was finally able to bring us History of the World Part 2. Yeah, I know. Like, Can you imagine? I, my God. And guys, he's an EGOT. Yeah. An Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. <laughs> His career spans seven decades. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. The producers is 1967, by the way. Yeah. Which is earlier than I thought. Blazing Saddles from 1974, Silent Movie, 1976, Frank, uh, Young Frankenstein, of course, 1974, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. To uh, be or not to be. Yeah. That's the Shakespeare one. The histories of the world. <laughs> you know what his birth name is? 
Tell me. Melvin James Kaminsky. Hey! I guess he thought Mel Brooks would work better. Well, a lot of Jewish people had to change their names. <laughs> In an anti-Semitic culture, absolutely. Yeah. We love you, Mel. We're so glad you're here, but this is whack. It is, it is. I mean, basically, didn't George Lucas just say, okay. No, yeah, because that's the thing. Out of all the genre parodies, this is the one that I think most closely resembles the uh, parent material. Yeah, no. And, like, when you think about Star Wars and George Lucas, you know, he's always been kind of a little protective of that IP. And literally, Mel Brooks was like, please, can I please parody your movie? Yeah. And George Lucas said, you know what? Fine. (laughs) On one condition. You don't make or sell a single piece of merch for this film. And guys, he got him back in the best way for that condition. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about it. But guys, this is, it's primarily parodying Star Wars, of course, but there's some other science fiction elements from other various science fiction films throughout the latter half of the 20th century, like Star Trek, uh-huh. Alien, it's yeah. James Cameron. <laughs> Planet of the Apes. I did not know Transformers was so old. Yeah, Transformers is an older I, IP. I think of Transformers as something that arose in the late 90s, early 2000s. No, no, no. Nay, nay. Nay, nay. It is from the 80s. Yeah. And like 2001 Space Odyssey. Like, I just. The list goes on and on. Oh, it does. It does. <laughs> and guys, you know, it did make a $16 million profit. hey No, it wasn't nothing. It was a summer movie. <laughs> 1987. Yeah, right? Oh my God. Mom and dad were in college. Yeah, they well, were. Well, mom was in college. Dad was drinking. <laughs> Stop. What? <laughs> That's so rude. Yeah, mom, her, I said, what did dad major in in college once when I was a kid? Uh-huh. And, and mom went, beer. Oh. I know. <laughs> I know. Written by Mel Brooks, Ronnie Graham, and Thomas Meehan. Wait. Yeah. That's a name I recognize. Yeah, he's been with us on the show before. He wrote the book for the original stage adaptation of Annie. Hey! He wrote the book for the original stage adaptation of Hairspray. Oh my god! Yeah, we like Thomas Meehan. And he wrote the book for Young Frankenstein when it was staged on Broadway as well. Guys, you might have guessed it. Oh, you might have guessed it. (laughs) But we've got names, and we've got a lot of repeat performers. Oh, yeah, we do. So I'm excited. Portraying Lone Star, (laughs) a mercenary who travels the galaxy in his flying 1986 Winnebago Chief Dane. (laughs) The Eagle Five. Yeah, the Eagle Five. We have Bill Pullman. Please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming. He's been with us a lot. A lot. He was with us in our second ever coverage as President Thomas J. Whitmore in Independence Day. Oh my gosh. And like, there's also... um, Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle. Another early coverage. Casper. Casper. Yeah, I know. Why have we not done Lake Placid yet? (laughs) It's honestly a crime that we haven't. (laughs) The, The Lone Star character, he is an amalgamation of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo from Star Wars. Yeah. Portraying Barf. <laughs> Lone Star's Mog. <laughs> Mog M-A-W-G. Man dog. Yeah. He's a sidekick on the Eagle Five. He's the Chewbacca character. Yeah, he's a parody of Chewbacca. We, please welcome back 
John Candy. Oh, yeah. He's been with us a couple times on the show. He was with us when we covered Home Alone. Mm -hmm. The original Home Alone. He was with us when we covered Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. (laughs) Guys, planes, trains, and automobiles, great outdoors, cool runnings. Uncle Buck. JFK. Can you wait or can you wait? I can't wait, guys. (laughs) November on main feed. (laughs) It's my one ask this year, and I'm Carrie's going to be so upset. He's literally bouncing, guys. I, uh, <laughs> National Lampoon. He's a John Hughes favorite, as mm-hmm. we well know. Portraying Princess Vespa, <laughs> the spoiled princess of planet Druidia. Uh-huh. We have Daphne Zuniga. She's a babe. Yeah, she is a babe in this movie. You'll know her from the 1982 slasher film Dorm That Dripped Blood. Sorry, the dorm that dripped blood. <laughs> she was in Stone Pillow with Lucille Ball. Oh. The Sure Thing from 1985. That's a Rob Reiner. Hey. Opposite John Cusack. Um, oh, she was on One Tree Hill. Oh, wow. I know. I, what? <laughs> and also, The Fly 2. Oh, my God. From 1989. Princess Vespa is obviously a parody of Princess Leia from Star Wars. I remember sitting there watching it going, why did they pick Vespa? Which, as we all know, is those little scooters they ride around in, in like Monte Carlo. Yeah. And Italy. <laughs> in Southern Europe. <laughs> and uh, I was like, why do they call her Princess Vespa? I'm like, oh, God. Because she whines a lot. Yeah. Because, like, that's, Vespa's kind of whine. Their engines are like... Nyeh. Portraying Dot Matrix. <laughs> Princess Vespa's droid of honor <laughs> and guardian. We have, as the voice of Dot Matrix, Joan Rivers. Hey, Joan! The quintessential comedian, Joan Rivers. She was with us in Shrek too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get, I'm sorry, I forgot. Yes, yeah, she is a re, she is a returner. She was. She, doesn't she play? No, she. What's her character in Shrek Two? She's Little Miss Muffet, right? Or something? No, she's working the red carpet at the uh at the wedding. Yeah, I but think? she's supposed to be Little Miss Muffet. Is she? Moppet? I don't. Know. I don't know what the character. I don't know what that fantasy character's name is. But guys. Joan Rivers was the stand-in host of The Tonight Show for Johnny Carson for all those years. Um, she's been on countless television shows. She's been a stand she was a stand-up comedian for, you know, five decades or some shit like that. She walked so so many other female comedians could run. Yeah, no, she she's also the most crude person in Hollywood. Like <laughs> she was toxic in a lot of ways, but she made it fun. Uh, I don't like Like Don Rickles. Like all yeah, like all of the <laughs> she did all the red carpet stuff. She put that on the map. Uh-huh. You know, fucking trashing and reading everyone for their <laughs> outfits at award shows. Like uh she had she had her own show, the Joan Rivers show from 1989 to 1993. Dot Matrix is the C3PO yeah. Uh, send off or whatever. Lorraine Yarnell provides Dot Matrix's on-screen physical performance. Yeah. So she's the one actually doing, because the whole thing's on roller skates for <laughs> Dot Matrix. Yeah. Portraying Dark Helmet. <laughs> Not Darth Helmet. Yeah. Dark Helmet. The Spaceballs short-statured bratty and often childish chief enforcer. <laughs> Who wields the downside of the Schwartz? Not the dark side. The downside. Oh, the Schwartz. The force. I can't wait to talk about it. We have... Oh, you love him. Please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. Rick Moranis. He's been with us at least twice. He was with us in Little Shop of Horrors, obviously, and when we covered Ghostbusters. 
Where's my Moranissance? I knew you were going to make this job. I need my Moranissance. <laughs> what is stopping you, sir? You're 69 years young. I need old Rick Moranison pictures. <laughs> Honey, I shrunk the kids. And it's blockbuster sequel, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. That's, what the, that's the one where the parents get shrunk. Yeah. yeah fuck yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, he's in the Flintstones. Yeah. With John Goodman and Rosie O'Donnell where he's Barney Rubble. <laughs> Parenthood, My Blue Heaven. I, we love Rick Moranis. Also, Brother Bear was a weird way for you to go. I know. That's I know. a weird note to go out on. I just. Uh, I do love that movie, though. It's a good one. It's a good one. He is, of course, the parody of Darth Vader. <laughs> He's one of the best I, parts of the movie. He is. <laughs> he truly is. Okay, guys. Mel Brooks features, of course, in his own film. He plays two characters here, two okay. very key characters. He plays, number one, President Scroob. Which is just a rearranging of the letters in his name. Who, I think that's funny. He's the incompetent leader of Planet Spaceball. Is this supposed to be a Palpatine takeoff? It is the parody of Emperor Palpatine, yes. Okay. It's ki- he's kind of like a Hitler-Palpatine combo, you know? Like, oh, yeah. No, Mel Brooks has coded all of the Spaceballs as Nazis, kind of. And then he also portrays Yogurt, <laughs> the wise and powerful keeper of the Schwartz. He's the Yoda character. Or the Force, and yes. <laughs> He is the parody of Yoda. I love how he's not green. No, he's gold. It's gold. And like he's he's not he's one he's walking around on his knees. I, it's perfect. It is perfect. <laughs> no special effects needed here to make me shorter. <laughs> Let's see. Dom DeLuise voices Pizza the Hut. Oh, I can't. Job of the Hut. Yeah. It's it's grotesque. I can't. Oh my god. We got uh, Michael Winslow as the radar technician on Spaceball <laughs> One. From the Police Academy movie. Yeah. He makes the funny sounds with his voice. Yeah. All right, guys, we absolutely must get to this content because holy shit, we're trying not to keep you very long. But It, it is a space opera, apparently. Symptomatic of any Star Wars project, they love to set the scene. Yep. Right? Yeah. As we take you into any space opera of Star Wars... We start with the renegade paragraphs floating through space, right? Yeah, sp- Star Wars popularized the text crawl. That blue text comes up always that says, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Only this time. <laughs> oh, you wrote it down. Once upon a time warp. <laughs> in a galaxy very, 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 very far away, <laughs> there lived a ruthless race of beings known as Spaceballs. <laughs> The John Williams ripoff that's playing in the background. I love the way that there's lasers in it. It goes pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> and guys, the thing about <laughs> the crawling paragraph, people love to make fun of the way Star Wars was released because it's not stupid. in chronological order. It is absolutely ridiculous. The first Star Wars movie, which is really just called Star Wars, it was not called Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yeah, but when they decided they were going to make more, all right, let's make it episodic. 
the first epi- the first episode of Star Wars ever released in 1977 is allegedly part four. <laughs> Let's begin with, with part four. Yeah, it goes four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. It makes no sense. And uh, it, it really doesn't, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I love the prequels. The sequels are fine until they're not. Yeah. The original trilogy is always king. <laughs> the paragraph starts floating up, right? Chapter 11. <laughs> the evil leaders of planet Spaceball, having foolishly squandered their precious atmosphere, have devised a secret plan to take away every breath of air away from their peace-loving neighbors, Planet Druidia. Today is Princess Vespa's wedding day. Unbeknownst to the princess, <laughs> but knownst to us, danger lurks in the stars above. And then it it looks like it's going to end, but then another little tidbit pops up and says, if you can read this, you don't need glasses. Oh my God. And like another thing, another thing that's a huge like thing from New Hope is like obviously the first shot, the first cinematic shot we get. Is the Imperial Cruiser. Yeah, the Imperial Cruiser just crawling by on the screen. There's a little music, but it's just kind of low and eerie. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, this cruiser starts, this is Spaceball 1. Right? Yeah. This cruiser starts going across the screen, and I look down to type a note about this, and when I looked up, it was still going. The ship slowly moving. It just keeps going, and the, it's so long, it's getting comically more intricate <laughs> and bigger. And when it finally passes by, the back of it says, We break for nobody. <laughs> And I wrote, it just keeps fucking going and keeps getting more intricate. I was like, I see you, Mel. Yeah, no, I timed it. It takes like a minute and 10 seconds. (laughs) Commander on Spaceball One is Colonel Sanders. (laughs) Colonel Sanders. What is it, Sergeant Rico? You told me to let you know the moment Planet Druidia was in sight, sir. Have you notified Lord Helmet? Yes, sir, I took the liberty. He's on his way. Make way for Dark Helmet. All rise in the presence of Dark Helmet. Dark? Darth? Lord? Helmet? (laughs) I don't know. It's Rick Moranis, and that's all that really matters. I love that his... Armor has a tie on it. It's so funny. And it's like, because it, it's it's. I think it's making fun of the fact that Darth Vader is very corporate on the Death Star. <laughs> it's like you'd think that Darth Vader would be in command of yeah. the Death Star. It's Tarkin. Yeah, it's Tarkin that commands the Death Star. Darth Vader's just there to make sure everything's going okay. You know when your boss's boss comes in and your <laughs> boss is freaking out. Yeah, that's Darth Vader on the Death Star. And the dark helmet. His the helmet is humongous for good reason. It's so funny because Rick Moranis is such a little guy. Yeah, and he's carrying around this humongous helmet. I can't breathe in this thing. <laughs> We're approaching Planet Druidia, sir. Good. I'll call Spaceball City and notify President Scroob immediately. I already called him, sir. He knows everything. What? You went over my helmet? And, like, he's also, like, again, like you said, the version of the Force in this parody is known as De Schwartz. Thank you, Mel. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of actual lightsabers, we have these rings, right? That <laughs> beam a lightsaber type light. It's very Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. A little bit. You know, they have the rings, you know? <laughs> And, like, you know, instead of, like, another thing that's famous from Star Wars is the bit where Darth Vader chokes people with the Force. Yeah. 
Like, I can't even... I think there's a name for that, but I don't remember what it is. But instead, he's um, he's shooting Schwartz beams into everyone's dick. <laughs> there's so many dick jokes in this movie. I, in a, shouldn't there be? <laughs> shouldn't there be? And this, this part made me giggle because I am famously full of complaints about how needlessly complicated the narrative of Star Wars is. And they go into their plan. There it is. Planet Druidia. And underneath the air shield, 10,000 years of fresh air. We must get through that air shield. We will, sir. Once we kidnap the princess, we can force her father, King Roland, to give us the combination to the air shield, thereby destroying planet Druidia and saving planet Spaceball. Everybody got that? And the way Rick Moranis looks into the camera and goes, everybody got that? Everybody got that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> I love the amount of times Rick Moranis actually talks to us. I like, know, it's amazing. And obviously, guys, in Star Wars, the Death Star is wanting to blow up the planet Alderaan, Druidia. Yeah. Because Princess Leia has is getting away with their stolen Death Star plans. Yeah, but in this movie, they just want to hold her hostage for the air. So they're, they're, they're inside of Druidia, right? <laughs> and on Druidia, it is Princess Vespa's wedding day, as we learned from the Renegade paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah. And we are at the first intergalactic temple, parentheses, reformed. Stop that. Of Druidia. I guess it's a planet full of druids? I... I don't know why this specific decision was made. It has no correlation to Star Wars. <laughs> Maybe it's to something else that we're not picking up that we haven't seen that this movie yeah, is parodying. that's very possible. And the, the church sign out front with the little letters that you can replace. <laughs> and it says... The royal wedding of Princess Vespa to Prince Valium. <laughs> Prince Valium is exactly as exciting as he sounds. And then under that it said, tomorrow, bingo, <laughs> at the first intergalactic temple. Like, Prince Valium is a, a literal snore. He can't stop yawning. He has no personality whatsoever. And, like, Vespa's not really excited about marrying him. But King Roland says it is her destiny. Yeah, and uh, I want to talk about this look for a thousand years first of all the dress is enormous mm -hmm. and it it just it's so comedically overdone and then on top of that she's got the famously stylistic leia space buns on either side of her head i can't wait i i know i can't wait i know and like dot matrix we get introduced to dot matrix her droid of honor <laughs> she's basically just a robot joan rivers yeah with like spray on golden steel wool hair <laughs> oh, is everyone ready yes your majesty no where's my droid of honor oh dear yes where's dot 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 matrix oh thank god where have you been here I am. I'm sorry. I had to make a pit stop. I'm so excited. I, I couldn't hold my oil. And like her father is walking her down the aisle and she's looking at him like, do I really have to do this? And she's like, I really don't want to. And then I love the way she just runs past the altar. We are gathered here on this most joyous occasion to witness Princess Vespa, daughter of King Roland, going right past the altar, heading down the ramp and out the door. Stop her! Someone stop her! Stop her! Hey, wait! You forgot to get married! Will you stop? And they get in this, I, what does Roland call it? A it's, Mercedes? It is, it's supposed to be... A Mercedes spaceship or something. <laughs> she and Dot get in this spaceship and they fly off. They just dip with all of her honeymoon luggage. Yeah, all her matching luggage. 
And now we've come to the Han Solo character. This is the Eagle Five floating through space. The 1986 Winnebago Chieftain. Yeah. With space wings. I literally didn't know. I didn't know at first that it was called the Eagle Five or the Eagle Nine, whatever you said. So I just wrote the Millennium Winnebago. The Millennium Winnebago. (laughs) Absolutely. Because, of course, it is the Millennium Falcon of this parody. The Millennium Falcon would not have an I love Uranus sticker on the back. Yeah. Well, I heart Uranus. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're introduced to Lone Star and Barf, the Han Solo Chewbacca duo. Is he, what is he eating when we first see Barf? I think he's eating a bucket of chicken. I'm not certain. You know that tail is on a string. Oh, I know. He's got a great little tail. He's got some face makeup to make him look like a dog. I love his headpiece. The animatronic ears. Yes! Yeah. Those are so great! Because obviously, guys, in Star Wars, on the planet Tatooine, Han Solo and Chewbacca are mercenaries. They're yeah. runners, you know, and smugglers. they're smugglers, and they use the Millennium Falcon to do so. Barf! What can I do you for, boss? Grab myself a snack. You want some? No. Oh, a little hair of the dog? No, listen, answer that. Please. Speaking of Lone Star, I have 1980s Bill Pullman. Are you okay over there? Listen. Do you need a towel? Listen. <laughs> oh my god! I don't know what it is. About Bill Pullman? He is sexy yeah. in this movie. Oh, you know it. He's young, he's cute, and I don't I know it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> but the way he talks, the stupid, idiotic way he talks, <laughs> he still somehow <laughs> manages to make it sexy. Yeah. At least to me. Oh no, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's the President Whitmore of it all. Uh, yeah. Or you. the Doctor What's-His-Balls from Casper of yeah. it all. But oh my god. I don't know. We like, stand Bill Pullman on this podcast. We fucking love Bill Pullman. Of guys, of course, the rulers of Tatooine in Star Wars are the Huts. These gigantic sluggish creatures who are also very mad at Han Solo for something he did that I can't remember. He owes them money, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, he owes them, yeah, he owes them some sum of money, and that's where Pizza the Hut comes into play here. Yeah, Pizza the Hut is on the phone, and he is demanding <laughs> the 100,000 space bucks that he loaned Lone Star back in full. 100,000 space bucks? By tomorrow? 100,000? <laughs> no way! You forgot late charges! Which brings it up to, uh, one million space bucks. A million? That's unfair. Unfair to the payor, but not to the payee. (laughs) Well, he actually, at the last second, amends it to a million space bucks, and he needs it by tomorrow. Ah! The Pizza the Hut puppet is one of the most grotesque things I've ever seen put on screen. I literally wrote grotesque. I wish we could have a private thought, you and I. (laughs) It's so disgusting. It's just the way it's dripping with cheeses and peps. And I... It looks like like he just came out of the oven. It looks like a regurgitated pizza. Yeah, it's... I can't stand it. I cannot look at this thing I wrote. (laughs) So, Barf and Lone Star are in a pinch. And meanwhile, Princess Vespa, the way... There is an actual barrier around the atmosphere of Druidia. Uh-huh. And there is a 
door, a trap door, I guess. Like, yeah, it just kind of slides, slides open. open. Wouldn't that let all the air out into space every time they opened it? You, you would think. And that's the joke about Star Wars. Nothing makes fucking sense. <laughs> None of the physics of the Star Wars universe of, and what we know about how outer space works makes any fucking sense. See, you think there can be any kind of organized government over 800,000 star systems that all have different definitions of time. See womp rat sized holes. See, <laughs> see midichlorians. Like, yeah. there's a lot of things that just don't make a lot of sense. And, like, they're just, I don't know where Vespa thinks she's going. She's just away. Just away from there, I guess. She's got, she's like, Dot is trying to get her attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's ignoring Dot. Because like, she's blasted music, right? Yeah, and, like, she finally looks over and see that Dot is trying to speak to her. Will you turn that thing off? What? What is it? I was saying, do you realize what you've done? Yes, and I'm glad. Glad, 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 glad. Guys, she takes the space buttons off. They're headphones. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Obviously, Leia with her quintessential space buns. Like, we cut to Planet Spaceball, and we're meeting President Scrooge, who is I just I can't with this because this is the Star Trek bit, right? Yeah, he's being beamed down to the control deck to watch the Spaceballs kidnap Princess Vespa right out of the atmosphere mm-hmm. because she's in her getaway ship, right? And so they're, they're literally pulling up. Fire a warning shot across her nose. What's going on? It's either the 4th of July or someone's trying to kill us! Hey, I don't have to put up with this. I'm rich. Who does she phone for help? Is it Daddy? It is. It's Daddy. Uh, She's rolling. Daddy, help me. I'm being kidnapped. And the thing (laughs) is, is that they're firing these guns at the ship, but... Every single shot is missing. And I love this bit. This is the asshole bit. Because Helmet asks, what's wrong with the gunner? And the gunner turns around and he's cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, he's like, who made that man a gunner? I did, sir. He's my cousin. Who is he? He's an asshole, sir. I know that. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major asshole. And his cousin? He's an asshole too, sir. Gunner's mate, first class, Philip Asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? Yo! I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. (laughs) Uh, Keep firing, assholes. (laughs) King Roland, I guess, knows just who to phone now that his daughter is in this dire strait. Yeah, he calls none other than Lone Star. He calls Lone Star and barf, and offers to pay them one million space bucks. Just the sum they need by tomorrow. Yeah, d- just to get his daughter back. Which is the answer, like you said, to their loan shark problems. Or their loan, their loan pizza? Loan pizza problems? I guess Captain Panaka does say in episode one, the huts are gangsters. Yeah, like, no, yeah, the huts are like, pe- I almost said pizza mafia. <laughs> space mafia. <laughs> you mean the mafia mafia? The pizza mafia? Guys, there's Russian mafia, there's Irish mafia, it's not just Italians. Yeah. Guys, (laughs) the comical way that Barf and Lone Star take the Eagle Five directly to her Mercedes. Yeah. Which is caught in Spaceball One's tractor beam. They let down a ladder. 
And in in the middle of space, <laughs> Barf is just going down this ladder <laughs> to get on top of their ship, of the Mercedes spaceship. And the space balls aren't noticing because they've literally jammed the radar. Guys, <laughs> there's jam leaking out of the machines. <laughs> and the way Helmet takes a swig and goes, Raspberry. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, obviously the radar's not working. And this is where Michael Winslow from the Police Academy movies gets to do his bit. Because he's imitating all the console noises. Yeah, to make fun of them. Because like, they're ridiculous in the Star Wars movies. I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. What's wrong with it? I've lost the bleeps, I've lost the sweeps, and I've lost the creeps. The what? The what? And the what? You know, the bleeps. <laughs> the sweeps. <laughs> and the creeps. That's not all he's lost. Mel Brooks said that by letting him just do the sounds himself, they saved about $1,000. That's insane. (laughs) Wow. So since the radar is jammed, Barf crawls down on top of Vespa's ship. In the middle of space, nothing happens to him. He's fine. And pulls her and Dot Matrix out of the ship, and they get on the Eagle Nine. Also, all of her luggage. All of her matching luggage. She's like, I'm not leaving this here. She says the luggage itself is expensive. Okay. And of course, Lone Star and her are not going to get along because neither do Leia and Solo at first. Exactly. This is this is the entire dynamic between Solo and Leia. And I just, guys, this joke is a lot. How dare you speak to me that way? You will address me the proper manner as your royal highness. I am Princess Vespa, daughter of Roland, king of the druids. Oh, that's all we needed. A druish princess. Funny, she doesn't look druish. The way he looks into the camera. Mel, I'll let you get away with it because you're Jewish. (laughs) You're allowed to make fun of yourself and your culture. love that for the rest of this movie since she's taken the uh, space buns off that now she just has this brilliant brunette blowout like she's such a babe this movie's biconic you stupid half-witted scruffy looking nerf herder (laughs) (laughs) and like the the dress with the straps that keep falling off her shoulders hello The Spaceballs pull the empty Mercedes up inside Spaceball 1 and realize that Vespa's not in it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when they finally pick up the Winnebago on the radar and start going after Lone Star. I just can't believe it. Helmet's so confident when he goes to open that door and he's like, where the hell is she? (laughs) We all know the Millennium Falcon has immense light speed capabilities, right? Like hyperdrive. Yeah. And guys, this is, I love this. This is another great bit because they engage that hyperdrive and leave Spaceball One in the dust. We'll find them, catch them. Yes, sir. Prepare ship for light speed. No, 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 light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes, we're going to have to go right to ludicrous speed. (gasps) Ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Prepare ship! Prepare ship for ludicrous speed! And guys... They turn it all the way up, not just from light speed, but to ludicrous speed. To catch up with the Winnebago! They go from light speed to ridiculous speed 
to ludicrous speed. And Dark Helmet does not buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) When they're literally flying at ludicrous speed (laughs) and they have to hang on to shit and their bodies are being propelled backwards. And like Rick Moranis' face is just like his gums are flapping. He can't stand it. They're going so fast, they pass the Eagle Five. Yeah, the Eagle Five like powers down, gets out of their way and they go right over them. And they're like, wait, no, slow down. You gotta turn around. Guys, when they stop, Rick Moranis goes flying into the front control panel. (laughs) (laughs) Here, let me help you, sir. Are you all right, sir? Fine. How have you been? Fine, sir. Good. It's a good thing you were wearing that helmet. And when he when they help him up out of there, he has no idea what's going on. Uh, someone say my name. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. (laughs) And so, yeah, the Eagle Five has temporarily evaded Spaceball One. And they, but the thing is, guys, they're out of fuel. Yeah. They are on E for engorged with gas. Yeah. And they have to make an emergency landing on this desert planet, which does look a lot like Tatooine. Yeah, no, they call it the Desert Moon of Vega. Which is a cool name. I just think it's a parody of Nevada. Maybe. The desert surrounding Vegas. Uh, I think it's literally just Vegas without an S. I get it. I, do, I don't understand it if that's a more intricate reference than I'm making it, but... And Vespa insists on bringing all of her matching luggage with them. They're, this is ridiculous. They are walking their happy asses through sand dunes. <laughs> like, carrying all of these trunks, and I'm like, why did they even let her do this? They're gonna pass out. I know. They're gonna pass out, guys. On Spaceball 1... We, oh my god, I love this so much. Because <laughs> now that they've lost, now that they've lost the Winnebago, they don't really know what to do about it. Yeah. And Dark Helmet and uh, the uh, and Sanders are trying to brainstorm ideas and like, what if we got the tape of Spaceballs the movie? <laughs> And I shit you not. Cue the meta humor. <laughs> I love this so much. They go to a wall that's got all of Mel Brooks's movies on it. Young Frankenstein, Robin of Men and Tides, <laughs> the producers. And then they take Spaceballs off the shelf and they put it into Mr. TV and they start watching it. I shit you not. The entire movie is happening right before our eyes on fast forward. Yeah. Because he wants to get to what happens next but so he can get a clue. And the way it stops, and like now it's like picture in picture. Yeah. And we're seeing their backs, they're turning around, they're looking at us, and they're like, what's going on? You know how on the Land Lakes box, there's a picture of her holding a box with a picture of it holding a box yeah. on a picture of it holding a box? It's like, infinite. That's what we're dealing with here. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, wait a minute, this very Abbott and Costello bit. I love this. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? We passed then. When? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Like they're looking at us for answers. Yeah, like what what do you think? What what, what are we going to know about this? Exactly. Why was this even happening? And so, cut back to the moon of Vega. 
And guys, they're sitting around the campfire and, you know, Barf's asleep and so is Dot Matrix. So Lone Star and Vespa are reluctantly getting to know each oh, other. Oh, God. I, I know, I know. Like, I wrote, he's a space orphan with dubious parentage. <laughs> Space orphan. Yeah, he wrote like Ray. Yeah, like Ray. <laughs> he just washed up on a monastery somewhere with nothing on him except this medallion around his neck, right? Well, didn't the monks tell you who your parents were? They couldn't. They took a vow of silence. All I got was this. It was around my neck. What is it? I don't know. I've taken it to every wise man in the universe, and nobody could tell me what it means. It's beautiful. And he's taking it to all the wise men in the galaxy. It's got weird writing on it that no one can decipher. Yeah, no one can tell him what it is. And she's talking to him about how she's a princess and she has to marry a prince, yada, yada. Isn't it awful even though I'm rich? Like, this whole overindulgent conversation where she is insisting to him that she can live without love. And I'm just like, for cripe's sake, just kiss already. (laughs) I'm sick of it. And you know what? I'm sick of it in the actual movie, too. Yeah. In Star Wars, the whole back and forth, will they, won't they, with Solo and Leia is annoying. It's tedious. It's very tedious. Prequels, I'm looking at you, too. Oh, God. It's a joke in the prequels. I know. Like, at least they take it a little seriously in the original trilogy. Abandon ship! Abandon ship! Women and mugs first! We'll have none of that, mister. How far did he get? What did he touch? What did he touch? Nothing happened. What the hell was that noise? That was my virgin alarm. It's programmed to go off before you do. Not the virgin alarm. Oh, my God. (laughs) This goes off so I can stop you before you do. (laughs) That's too much. The way she sits up like, hold up. Uh, Yeah. Nobody is losing their virginity on my watch. Is Dot Matrix Schwartz sensitive? I mean, I don't know. I'm No, I. Oh, you're not being serious. No. sorry. (laughs) You sounded so serious. It's space balls. (laughs) How serious can I be? The next day, they're wandering through the desert on this moon. It's so hot. They've completely abandoned the matching luggage. Like, Lone Star and Barf are carrying Vespa and Dot Matrix on their backs until they literally can't anymore. They literally all pass out from heat exhaustion. And this is where Ross would like to explain where this joke comes from. The... I was like, and why are they humming the River Kwai March? I've never known what that is. Yeah, it is. It's called the River Kwai March. From, what is that from? I think it's from Bridge Over the River Kwai, which is an old World War II movie. They do that in Breakfast Club, too. Yeah, yeah, it's a famous tune. I've never seen that movie. Uh Uh-huh. Is that what it's called, Bridge Over River Kwai? Yeah. Hitler has only got one ball. Himmler has two but very small. Oh! Himmler has something similar, but poor old Goebbels has no balls at all. I love that. (laughs) 
I hate the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, me too. Anyway, guys, on Tatooine in Star Wars, there are these race of alien beings called the Jawas. They're very cute. They move shit around for the rulers of Tatooine. The huts. Yeah. And they're these tiny little, we never see their faces because they're always hooded. Yeah. And they're, they're these two little green dots for eyes <laughs> in their dark hoods. Who did it? And in this movie, they're called the Dinks. Which, why? <laughs> and they're these little people. Yeah. These little actors. Mel, I understand why, but like, but why? And I know it was the 80s, but like, God. come on, like, we have to stop saying that, by the way. Yeah. I know it was the 80s, but it know. was wrong then and it's, it's wrong, wrong now. now. And so the Dinks have come across, I hate that I'm calling them that, the Dinks have come across our fabulous four who have passed out from heat exhaustion. I think it's bullshit that Dot Matrix can pass out. Yeah, no, I know. From heat exhaustion. Yeah, no. She is a machine. <laughs> I guess- She's on and I guess, you know, when your computer gets overheated, it whirs pretty loudly. <laughs> and the Dinks take the group. Every time we say it, I'm going to laugh. I like, know. The Dinks take the group to their leader, the wise old sage known as Yogurt. It's like Cher, just one name. Yeah. Yogurt. The everlasting know-it-all. <laughs> yeah. And it's Mel. It is Mel. Mel comes out of that little statue hobbling on his knees. And I'm already laughing. He hasn't even opened his mouth to say anything yet. <laughs> Yogurt the wise. Yogurt the all-powerful. Yogurt the magnificent. Please, please, don't make a fuss. I'm just plain yogurt. But you're the one. Yes. I am the keeper of a greater magic. A power known throughout the universe. As the... The Force? No. The Schwartz. Schwartz. What does he introduce us to, Carrie? The mystical power known as the Schwartz. Exactly. Because we've not heard about the Schwartz yet. We knew it was coming, but we haven't heard about the Schwartz yet. And he shows them his own little lightsaber ring, just like uh, Dark Helmet has. Mm -hmm. Except that, obviously, just like in Star Wars, he has the upside or the light side of the Schwartz. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. The upside or the downside of the Schwartz. <laughs> the dark side and the light side of the Force. And guys, and in most creations like this, there is always some sort of power maintaining balance in the universe we are in. Religious people call it God. Scientists call it, you know, energy. You know, it depends on, you know, it's all the same thing. It's just depending on what interpretation you're going to put on it. Like... In the Star Wars universe, the Force is what binds the universe together. The universe is made of the Force. And if you're lucky enough to have enough organisms in your body, the midichlorians, you can have control over it. Oh, boy. Yeah, you can have power over matter. Not here. <laughs> well, here, yes, but, like, it's not the Force. It's... It's the Schwartz. It's the Schwartz. I'm covering my eyes. You are. You're so sick of this. I, oh my God. The Schwartz. But Yogurt, what is this place? What is it that you do here? Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, 
I'll show you. Oh, but we've come to our favorite bit. Yeah, no. Um, remember the thing we talked about in the beginning with the merchandising and George Lucas? Yeah, George Lucas said you can make fun of my movie as long as you never market any merchandise. And Mel is going to be an asshole if you're going to be <laughs> uptight about something. Yeah, no, it's, I love this so much. He, he brings them over to the gift shop. There's a gift shop in his temple. And he's like, this is where the merchandising happens. The power of merchandising. Where the real money for the movie is made. And boy, he ain't kidding. Like, they've got everything. <laughs> the space ball's this. The space ball's that. They put the picture's name on everything. Merchandising, merchandising. Where the real money from the movie is made. Space ball's the t-shirt. Space ball's the coloring book. Spaceballs the lunchbox. Spaceballs the breakfast cereal. Spaceballs the flamethrower. That kids love this one. The Spaceballs sheet. The Spaceballs toilet paper. Yeah. The Spaceballs blowtorch. <laughs> yeah. It's a kid's toy. The kids love this one. <laughs> I just, I just, this is, I can't. But Mel, you're a genius. He said that was one of his favorite jokes he wrote for this movie. <laughs> And I wholeheartedly agree. All of the merchandising. Merchandising. The little yogurt doll that goes, May the Schwartz be with you. Does Lone Star approach yogurt about the medallion, or does yogurt notice it? I can't remember. I, I, I literally can't uh, remember how that happens either. But Lone Star is showing Yogurt his little medallion, because obviously, if Yogurt is the wise, everlasting know-it-all, he might be able to decipher what this means. <laughs> You can read it. No, I was just clearing my throat. Here, let me take a... Oh, yes. Yes, yes, of course. You understand it? Yes. What's it say? I cannot tell you that now. It shall be revealed to you at the proper time. And, like, I just love that... Yogurt obviously knows. It's not that he can't tell him what the medallion is. He just won't tell him. Because she wouldn't have believed me. <laughs> yeah. Well, she had to find out for herself. He must learn at the proper time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is where I was like, oh. Because I haven't intellectualized up until this point. That there is no Luke Skywalker character. No, there's not. And, and, I, and when he said that, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's right. They've kind of combined the Han Solo and Luke Skywalker character mm -hmm. in Lone Star. And then Yogurt starts teaching him how to use the Schwartz. Mm -hmm. The upside of the Schwartz. Because we must never fall to the downside of the Schwartz. Absolutely not. That evil dark helmet wields. <laughs> and like the way... Yogurt is having him lift the big statue of himself. Yeah. And, like, he picks it kind of all the way up, really. Using Yogurt's Schwartz ring. Yeah. Which is the companion to Dark Helmet's downside of the fort. Short. <laughs> I can't even say it all right. Because <laughs> Dark Helmet has his downside ring and Yogurt has the upside ring. Don't stop. You're doing it. You're doing it. I can't believe it. The shorts, it's working. Yes, yes. Hey, boss, how'd you do that? <laughs> and then I think I think Barf comes up and breaks his concentration and he drops the statue on Barf's foot. The comical way Barf's foot is flattened. 
It's so wide. I know. It's too much. Dark Helmet and the Spaceballs have finally located Yogurt's lair. After combing the desert? He said to comb the desert. We're combing the desert. With these gigantic combs, they're just dragging <laughs> through the sand dunes. Ah, uh, no. These big ace combs, like. Sir. What? Are we being too literal? No, you fool. We're following orders. We were told to comb the desert, so we're combing it. Found anything yet? Nothing yet, sir. How about you? Not a thing, sir. What about you guys? We ain't found shit. They find Yogurt's lair, but it's completely impenetrable. And because he's got the downside of the Schwartz, Dark Helmet can just project consciousness inside the lair. And like Vespa's trying to sleep and she's hearing her father's voice. It's not her father. It's Dark Helmet. He lures her out of the lair so that then they can literally snap her up and throw her on Spaceball 1. Yeah. Like, I can't believe, I I, I mean, I can believe how comedically ludicrous it was that they captured her that way. But again, ludicrous shit happens in Star Wars all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that meme of where it's like when Palpatine wanted Amidala dead, but he didn't want to do it, so he told Dooku to do it. Sidious told... Dooku to do it. Dooku told Jango Fett to do it. Jango Fett told yet another assassin to do it. <laughs> and then that assassin told, told her- a computer to do it. The computer didn't want to do it, so the computer sent out two worms. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Daddy, is it really you? Yes, my dear. I guarantee it. Would I lie? Daddy. No, Vespa, don't, Vespa! Ah! No. Oh. you. Yogurt knows that they need to be getting on their way. Yes. He's he's taught he's taught Lone Star how to use the Force. They literally cram like a fifty minute like a fifteen minute sequence in the original movie where like Luke's wandering around with Yoda on his back, learning how to use the Force. That is Empire Strikes Back. Oh, what the fuck ever. I think. <laughs> I don't know at this point. In the Dagobah system. Yeah. In the oh stop. And this is where he's putting them back in the Winnebago. He's giving them gas. <laughs> Thanks for the. Gas, yogurt. <laughs> my favorite line. That's my favorite line of the whole thing. Thanks for the gas, yogurt. He gives them gas, a fortune cookie, and he also gives Lone Star the Schwartz ring in case he needs it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Well, we better get going. I wonder, will we ever see each other again? Who knows? God willing, we'll all meet again in Spaceballs too. The search for more money. Goodbye, Lone Star. Goodbye, yogurt. that god he really came for george's throat on that one i mean it's funny that the joke about the star wars sequels was made some 30 years before they were made i know right (laughs) like isn't that crazy (laughs) and 10 and like almost 12 years before the first round of prequels were made (laughs) baseballs too the search for more money Back on Spaceball 1, they have strapped Vespa down to a table, and they bring her father up on the monitor, and they're very straight with him. They say, tell us the combination to the airlock on Druidia so we can steal all your oxygen, or we will have this plastic surgeon from California give her a nose job. (laughs) He's like, like, no, no, no. California! 
have you? <laughs> nose job? I don't understand. She's already had a nose job. It was a sweet 16 present. No, it's not what you think. It's much, much worse. If you do not give me the combination to the air shield, Dr. Slotkin will give your daughter back her old nose. No! And of course, Roland caves immediately. He's not going to let her go through that. Carrie, what's the fucking code to get all the oxygen? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my God. So Lone Star and Barf land on planet Spaceballs or wherever they are. Are they on Spaceball 1 or are they on planet Spaceball? I don't know. I don't either. I, I, I don't know. And whatever. They, they land and they steal the gear off a couple of guards, which is really funny because Barf's tail is poking through the back. Yeah, this is what they do when they get on the Death Star in Star Wars. They famously fake these guys out and steal their uniforms. Yeah. And they go directly to Vespa's cell to get her out. She's singing in the cell <laughs> in like a baritone voice. Uh, the blues tunes, the blues prison tunes. <laughs> She's got to be in one of these cells. Yeah, but which one? No, no. Nobody knows. It's coming from here. That can't be her. The trouble I see. Nobody knows but Jesus. It's her. Nobody knows. How does she even have the composure to perform this? I don't. I don't know how you get through that without howling. Uh. Uh, they get her out of the cell, and they're trying to make their escape when they're caught by the naked guards. They jumped right. And more guards manage to pin them down right at the end of this hallway. And this is where I wrote, I don't know why they don't just charge down there. Isn't it a colossal joke in this source material that enemy grunts can't hit the broad side of a barn? No, the amount, listen. <laughs> in Star Wars. The stormtroopers can't hit shit. The amount of internal fight scenes, the fights in space, the big battles and all of that. All of these different types of weapons <laughs> firing lasers at each other that cause things to explode, implode, yeah. completely disintegrate, <laughs> spontaneously combust. I don't know. The fact that any of them are able to escape any of these scenes unscathed, uh -huh. like, in, like on the Death Star in A New Hope, when they're rescuing her from the stockade. Yeah. And they just... Go into a garbage chute. <laughs> During that scene where they're firing at each other through the hallway, they should have all been hit. I know. Several times. <laughs> but no. The group gets back outside, but the keys to the Eagle Five are locked inside the Eagle Five. Oh my God. And while Barf and Lone Star are trying to get it open, the guards are firing on them, and one of them singes some of uh, Vespa's hair, and the way she picks up that gun and goes full Rambo on their asses. Oh, oh, they finally fucked with her too much. <laughs> Not the blowout. You leave the blowout alone. Holy crap. <laughs> my hair. He shot my hair. Son of a bitch. Holy shit! They get 
get back in the Eagle 5 and they take off after Spaceball 1, which is currently pulling up to Druidia's oxygen shield. Oh, Jesus. But they can't get through, right? It's just that one opening that this enormous ship is not going to be able to get through. And through which all the oxygen should be flowing out anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've established this. And so the ship starts doing a transformer bit. Yeah, no, the entirety of Spaceball 1 begins to fold in and fold out upon itself (laughs) to form what looks like a transformer. But (laughs) this transformer takes the shape of a gigantic... Made? Yeah, it's Mega Maid! Mega Maid! With, like, the head of the Statue of Liberty! And a vacuum cleaner! <laughs> They're going to stick the vacuum cleaner over the opening and hoover all of the atmosphere out of Druidia! That's how they're gonna do this. <laughs> now, commence Operation Suck. The oxygen is getting sucked out of the atmosphere. Everybody on Druidia starts to pass out and become epoxic. The trees coming out of the ground. (laughs) And the snow off the mountains. Okay, is that shot, am I crazy? Or is the shot where all the snow comes off the mountain... Does that not look like the Paramount logo? It does a little bit, actually. Like, I almost thought it was. (laughs) And that maybe it was a joke, but I don't know. From the Winnebago, Lone Star tries to use the Schwartz ring (laughs) to move the vacuum switch from on to reverse. So that all the air goes back into the planet. (laughs) And, like, all the snow comes back down and all the trees. And I'm like, wow, that was easy. A little too easy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so this is this is kind of where wh- what are they called in the Star Wars universe? Tie fighters, X wings, like which is it? The yes. This is like the X wing scene, right? Y- yes. <laughs> okay, fine. I don't. I actually. There's probably a distinction between tie fighter and X wings. I don't know. No, yeah, no. I can't expect you to know everything. I think tie fighter is on the dark side and. <laughs> X-Wings are on the Rebellion. I don't know. But we digest. So they take the Winnebago up to the ear of the Mega Maid, and they start navigating the inside of Mega Maid's head so they can destroy it from the inside. Which is what happens in the final battle in A New Hope. Yeah, no, exactly. No, is this the Womp rat size hole bit? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, can we just put some plywood over it or something? <laughs> All I'm saying is if a beam goes into this hole, it will destroy the whole ship. Yeah, no, seriously. And so they find the self-destruct mechanism inside Mega Maid's head. Which appears not once, not twice, but three times in Star Wars content. Yeah, it does, they doesn't it? just hit this one spot and all the evil will be erased. <laughs> Lone Star climbs out of the Winnebago and goes to the self-destruct switch The big self-destruct button that literally says underneath it, don't push unless you really mean it. (laughs) He's going to push this button, but Dark Helmet interrupts. This is supposed to be like the I am your father bit. In Empire Strikes Back, yeah. (laughs) A very famous bit that even Mark Hamill did not know was coming. That's not true. Yes. That's impossible. (laughs) Before you die, there is something you should know about us, Lone Star. What? 
I am your father's, brother's, nephew's, cousin's former roommate. What's that make us? Absolutely nothing. Which is what you are about to become. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. Luke, Luke. <laughs> Don't forget to remind me to tell you that your father is Darth Vader. All I'm saying is, is that Seth MacFarlane did the exact same thing and he did not do it as well. Seth MacFarlane. Uh oh! I or... love the Family Guy Star Wars parodies. <laughs> Listen, Family Guy is at times devoid of value. Oh yeah, absolutely devoid of value. Like the, the stupidest cutscenes. The writers at Family Guy they should all be prosecuted. Yeah, for wasting our time. <laughs> but they they worked so hard on those Star Wars parodies, and I love them. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of the way they just grill George Lucas, but. <laughs> John Williams! But I can understand why this parody is far more universally loved than those television specials. Oh my god. And then the lightsaber bit finally arrives, right? Mm. And the, the Schwartz, the ring, the Schwartz rings send out this beam of light, and now we've got lightsabers. And the dick jokes start. Yes. <laughs> uh, I see that your Schwartz is bigger than my Schwartz. <laughs> You have the ring, and I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Now let's see how well you handle it. When one of the they finally start going at it, right? This is the this is the lightsaber fight, and yes. when one of them accidentally hits a crew member off camera. Yeah. Like the camera whirls around and we see the production team standing there. Yeah. It's great. I love that. I also love how comedically lame this fight is. And I mean shouldn't it be? <laughs> there are some comedically lame fights in Star Wars. They I'm are. I'm so sorry. Okay listen. I just wish Obi-Wan's death would have been more dramatic. Yeah I know. He literally hits him and he dis a fucking peers. Yeah it, it's, 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 it's not enough frankly. Yeah no. And then then Dark Helmet takes the Schwartz ring off of Lone Star's finger no. and throws it down in a grate. And like now he's got no way to defend himself, right? So he starts jumping around trying to get away from Dark Helmet. I think I was asleep at this point. No, you weren't. When I watched this and I fell asleep at the end. I, guys, I came over to do this recording days ago. I had a bad day. I fell asleep at the end of the movie. We didn't end up doing it. <laughs> Like the shot, Ross, this is so funny because it's an editing joke, but the bit where he jumps away from Dark Helmet and it's clearly his stunt double. Yeah, yes. It's clearly his stunt double. And like he's pinned up against the wall, he's got no more recourse, and yogurt beams into his head, right? His voice. <laughs> the way they do, those Jedi, you know. <laughs> Says, you don't need that ring. Use the Schwartz Lone Star. Use the Schwartz! I can't! I lost the ring! Forget the ring! The ring is Bupkis! I found it in a crackerjack box! The Schwartz is in you, Lone Star! It's in you! Alright, I'll try. He uses the Schwartz to pull this hand mirror towards him. <laughs> That one of the space balls was using to shave. You don't need that ring. <laughs> and he pulls the mirror to him. And just as Dark Helmet goes to deliver the killing blow at his nuts, he takes that hand mirror and puts it down by his nuts. 
and the Schwartz deflects off the mirror, bounces back at Dark Helmet, and knocks him into the self-destruct button. Christ. <laughs> pressing the self-destruct button. This ship will self-destruct in three minutes. And like the lights start blinking and the alarms going off, people start running for the escape pods. It's over. It's over. All of the random people that come out of nowhere who work on Spaceball One, like there's a clown Yeah, I guess he's just there to keep morale up. Like (laughs) there's an actual bear? What the fuck? Like, there's an actual bear here. Hey, we know there's bears at the bottom of the sea. Oh. So why wouldn't they be in space? (laughs) Sanders, Helmet, and Scroob are all stuck on Spaceball One. There are no more escape pods. Whoops. And, like, they are standing in the middle of the control room, holding each other, (laughs) waiting for the bomb to go off. And you guessed it. Lone Star, Vespa, Barf, Dot Matrix, they all get away in the Winnebago just as the bomb is going off. Much the way they do in Star Wars A New Hope. (laughs) Three, two, one. Have a nice day. Thank you. So breaking news, Pizza the Hut is dead, and they don't have to give him money anymore. Great. So they just have a million space bucks now? Yeah, they just have a million space, but they're going to get a million space bucks from King Roland to return Vespa. And they drop Vespa off at home so she can go ahead and marry Valium. She's not excited about it. No. But, like, that's the thing, right? This is a dumb rule in a lot of movies. A princess can only marry a prince. Whatever. That's just stupid. It's not even true in the real world anymore. Here's my thing. There's a Prince Valium and a Princess Vespa. Uh Uh-huh. She's the princess of Druidia. What is Valium the prince of? Um, Pfizer, maybe. I, sh- <laughs> the planet Pfizer. I'm, Could you imagine? Uh, Moderna sounds better. Moderna. Oh, no. <laughs> this next scene is a little out of pocket because this feels like a scene that belongs at the beginning of the movie. But I have. This Seinfeld scene? Yeah, I cannot not talk about this, okay? They stop off on this little asteroid to fuel back up. There's a little diner there. And Lone Star and Barf go in. They're going to get a bite to eat. And guys, the crew from Alien is sitting at the end of the bar. How funny. (laughs) Actual John Hurt is here playing his actual character from the Alien movie. Gilbert Kane or whatever. Yeah, something like that. And guys, we all know what the Alien movie is famous for. Ah! The chestbuster sequence, Ah! right? Where the alien has obviously taken over John Hurt's body and then makes an escape through his chest cavity. Uh, 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 uh. Oh no. Not again. And like, I don't think John Hurt knew that it was going to be this nuts what goes on here because it's not like this isn't something he's done before but it's the way that alien this little puppet ass alien comes (laughs) popping out of his chest (laughs) and he dies right (laughs) 
And then this took me out because I had completely forgotten about it. That little alien puts on a straw hat, starts twirling a cane, and then starts singing telephone. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my raccoon gal. Send me a kiss by wire. Baby, my heart's on fire. If you refuse me, honey, you lose me. Then you'll be left alone. Oh, baby, telephone and tell me I'm your own. Check, please. Why is this scene here? Send me a kiss by wire. <laughs> Baby, Baby, my heart's on fire. Like the WB frog. Telephone and tell me <laughs> I'm, I'm your, your own. own. <laughs> it's too much. I can't. So that seemed rather random, huh? It did. I think that scene belongs like at the beginning of the movie. Why is this couched at the end? I, I don't know. I think it's because they didn't want to go immediately. And <laughs> was like, let's put in more stuff. We've got, we've got more time. We've got more money. Let's put in more stuff. So back on the Winnebago, Lone Star is finally getting around to cracking open this fortune cookie that Yogurt gave him forever ago. Yeah. And again, just like the the the, the Force Ghost, is that what we call it in Star Wars, when they're just there? Yeah. Yeah, the, this Force Ghost of Yogurt pops out of this fortune cookie. And <laughs> <laughs> He's here. Ah! <laughs> yes. He's here to tell. Lone Star, finally, what this medallion around his neck means. It's a royal birth certificate. Yes, your father was a king. Your mother was a queen. Which makes you a certified prince. Hey, I'm a prince. I'm a prince. Which means... Which means, if you hurry, there could be a princess in your future. He was a prince all along. So now he can marry the the scooter. Yeah, the scooter. Yeah, that's, Vespa. Yeah, Princess Vespa. Yeah. So Lone Star and Barf haul ass back to Druidia so they can stop Vespa's wedding to Valium. To Valium, and like Vespa's going to get married. She's in the same getup that she was in at the beginning, and this is where she learns that Lone Star didn't take a single space buck for rescuing her. Don't worry about me, father. I'm completely over him. Huh. Didn't even stay for the wedding. Just grabbed his million space bucks and ran. He didn't take the million. He didn't? No. He just took 248 space bucks for lunch, gas, and tolls. This is very Grand Duchess Marie to Anastasia. He didn't, didn't take, take the money. money. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, oh, no, he actually loves me. Yeah. So she's having instant regrets. And, like, she's at the altar. It's about to happen. But, guys, I'm sad you were asleep for this part. Yeah, I am. I think I am going to be, too. Does he look good? Oh, he, Ross... Lone Star comes in. He's interrupting the wedding. And the funny thing about his outfit is that he's actually dressed like Prince. Like the artist formerly known yeah. as Prince. In this white suit that it just... He looks so good, Ross! I'm looking at it right now. He looks I, so fun! I'm, ac- I'm actually so mad I fell asleep. <laughs> Let's get him out of that. Yeah, <laughs> Lone Star, you look a little warm. I uh... want him to talk to me in that Bill Pullman way, <laughs> just Bill... without any of the clothes. In that Bill Pullman way. Yeah. And by this point, the priest is sick of it. He's absolutely fed up with this getting interrupted, right? He's like, everybody, I don't care who's getting married, someone's getting married right now. Yeah. Okay, here we go. The short, short version. 
Do you? Yes. Do you? Yes. Good. You're married. Kiss her. I love you. I love you. Is that how it ends? Yeah, that's how it ends. They kiss and, you know, I, I can't remember how the tune actually goes, but then it's like, star wipe. You know, there is star wipe. You know, there's no wedding in Star Wars. Well, in the original trilogy. No. I mean, obviously in the sequel trilogy, you're led to believe that there was some sort of union between Han and Leia, which then leads to Adam Driver. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, or whatever. Oh, and then Annie and uh, Padme getting married in the prequels. That does happen with whatever. <laughs> uh, Ross, someday I'd love to sit down behind this mic and talk in depth about how much you hate the union of Padme and Anakin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Characters gotta have origins. Yeah, I know, Jesus I know. Jesus tits. <laughs> Guys, that was so stupid. You liked I, it. I liked it, though. You liked it. I know you Parts liked it. Parts of it, I'm like, <laughs> when the alien, when the when the alien singing telephone happened, I was on my side. I'm sad I missed that too. I was holding my sides, laughing so hard I couldn't stand it. Oh man. But yeah, guys, that's spaceballs. <laughs> I'm so glad that's over. I know. Oh my I gosh. Know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no big extrapolation here. I mean, yeah, it's it's a blockbuster my dad used to rent when we were kids. Yeah. You know, like we're going to Blockbuster, you wanna rent space balls? Yeah, no. Uh. <laughs> I do like that that did used to make dad crack the fuck up. Oh, belly laughs. Like, and, and, and it's the, the it's it's just the Mel Brooks of it all. Uh-huh. Dad's no Star Wars fan. Uh-huh. You know, like, I, I, <laughs> he's not super into it. You know, dad's just someone who watches television to watch television. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> financial news, sports, and fucking flipping around movies. You know, like, that's all he does. And that, I remember Spaceballs being one that he just, if it was on, he was watching it, you know, like. Yeah, or like History of the World Part 1, he mm. loved that one too. When Moses comes down with the three stone tablets, he's like, I have these 15 drops tablet and it shatters 10, Ten commandments. Commandments, yes. <laughs> Alright guys, thanks for sticking with us through that one. Oh, but Ross. We've got one more genre parody coming for you this month though, don't we? Yeah, I have been criticized for lumping this movie in here. Gavin doesn't think it belongs here. Okay. My coworker who's a fan doesn't think this movie belongs here. Okay. But I am prepared to make my case, okay? Listen, I'm only going to slightly agree with them. Okay. Slightly. Because I think it is more than just a parody, uh-huh. but it definitely essentially is. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? So no more beating around the bush. Guys, next week we will be talking about the 1988 film, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Guys, it's going to be big. <laughs> <laughs> Crime noir genre parody. Yeah. It's 
gonna be big. <laughs> <laughs> so look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. For the love of God, rate, review, retweet. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. And don't forget, guys, if you're caught up on the main feed, go check out the Patreon. There's a lot of content over there right now. There certainly is. Oh, my God. Carrie worked really hard on it. <laughs> Not that you owe us anything. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, Mom. Sorry, Mom.